0: Bill Condon is an Oscar-winning writer and director. He won an Oscar for Gods and Monsters. He's also directed Dreamgirls, the live-action Beauty and the Beast. He also directed the last two Twilight films, but we won't hold that against him. His current film is in cinemas now. It's called The Good Liar and stars Ian McKellen and Helen Mirren. Ian McKellen plays this you know, kind of swarthy con man. It's a nice little throwback, twisty, tourney thriller, and I was lucky enough to speak to him about the film, so enjoy Hi, Andy. Hi, Bill. How are you doing? I'm well, and you? Not too bad at all. Um, just want to ask you, you've worked obviously with um, Serena McKellen on Gods and Monsters, Beauty and the Beast, uh, and Mr. Holmes. When you have a, a connection to an actor like that, do you actively seek out roles for you to collaborate on, or is it just like a happy coincidence that you find material that you think suits him?
1: Absolutely <laughs> actively seek it out, and that's you know this was a um a book the producer Greg yolen gave it to me and that was a huge part of what was appealing to us the um the fact that we could work with him again peter jackson has done it six times i think he's cheating because he it's only the hobbit (laughs) and lord of the rings it's really only two but i really am in this race with him i'm going to beat him i'm going to get to seven so
0: And another person obviously you cast was uh, Helen Mirren, and it's one of those yes. team-ups that I know they've they done a play, I think it was a Dance of Death uh, a couple of years ago, it just seems like one exactly. of those collaborations that you think you've seen before, but you haven't. From I know. What I think a real difficult part to cast is, is Russell Tovey in that, because when you have people like Helen Mirren and Ian McKellen, it, it, I'd say it's very easy to be blown off the screen with them. Was that a, a difficult role to cast?
1: It was. And thank you. I'm so glad you said that about Mm -hmm. Russell Tovey because I think he's the secret sauce in this movie Um, because yes, he's got, uh, I mean, first of all, how great an actor is he? I don't know if you're a fan of years and years, but I'm I'm mildly obsessed with it, but it's just one of many things that he's done. Um, But I have to say too, that when you finally show the movie to the people at Warner Brothers, they ask three times during movie, who is he? They, you know, he still is unknown by, you know, in the movie world in a way and people are blown away by him. But yeah, Russell, um, you're absolutely right. Someone who can go toe to toe with them, hold his own. But also I thought what's kind of great about him is, it, you know, the movie's called The Good Liar and everyone's got all of these you know stories to tell and they're pretending to be somebody else russell of course is pretending a little bit but it is his authenticity isn't it that really you know sort of gives him this weight especially against um you know uh ian who is being so crafty all around him um and two it was a part that you know in other hands could be a a a sort of you know I, get, I think the word you guys use is "wet," you know, but the sort of academic, yeah. um, the you know, uh, a little superior, and the fact that Russell plays him you know in in his accent as and in jeans you know that's what academics look like these days I thought it was I, I don't know I'm very grateful to, for him to have taken on this part
0: and especially with that role when you have someone like I know Ian McKellen's essentially the bad guy but because he's so beloved it'd be very easy for that to be Oh, I'll get this character out of the way I want to see you know the bad guy win essentially
1: exactly no it's true
0: um, and yeah. I kind of seen as like a, a recurring theme throughout a lot of your films is um the concept of aging and mortality and i think that's yes. such a, a big part in the good liar as well what about that particular aspect of the storytelling appeals to you
1: yeah I, I i know for me um from a young age but throughout my adulthood i've always had good friendships with people who are older and really really so much of I've gained so much from it. You know, filmmakers who are older, for example, Curtis Harrington is someone I, when I first went to Los Angeles, and he'd been friends with James Whale. So I'd heard all of those Whale stories for years and years. Um, and then likewise, you sort of try to then have younger friends on the other side. But, but, um, it was, it has been interesting because I first really played with this in, Gods and monsters, and I was in my forties, but now I'm in my sixties and getting <laughs> getting getting it's getting a little more pressing these issues. Um, so it it I I do think of it as being hopefully it will it, I won't be surprised when these <laughs> when these things finally come to bear because it's something I've been thinking about for a long time. But I I think you know what what really appeals to me about this movie is that while those issues sort of hang over everything, it is a movie with with characters in their 70s and in his case 80 um, that, ha- that places them right in the swim of things you know they have agendas they're really trying to pull something off they're really in many ways at the top of their game you know and it's not about hospital visits and diagnosis of imminent mortality you know it, it so it was fun to do something like this but actually then not focus on that
0: there is and it's, there's that great line where he has the discussion with Vincent where he's saying it's about the money and Vincent kind of says well you know I don't think it's about the money anymore it's about you know a feeling of usefulness essentially despite the, the terrible it,
1: things. Exactly yes it's very true.
0: This is a kind of film that I've been kind of championing that the mid-budget film seems to be disappearing yep. you've done things like you know, yep. The Good Liar, Fifth Estate, Mr. Holmes but you've also done you know the blockbusters like the Twilight series and Beauty and the Beast. In light of kind of the you know, Martin Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola's comments during the week, do you find it yeah. harder now to make films like this? I, I watched an interview with you recently around the time *Gods and Monsters* came out, and you were talking yeah. about how storytelling seems to be coming to the fold again. Do you think it's yeah. regressed somewhat slightly in, in the light of you know the, the big blockbuster movies?
1: Yeah, I do. I do think that it's harder, and I I, I sort of. Can't believe, I feel as though we got in under some wire with Good Liar, frankly, you know, because, um, and let's see, let's hope it do, it does well, but it does feel like these movies have been appropriated by streaming services, frankly, and that, the you know, now I have to say, I, I, I'm lucky in that one of the three or four kinds of movies that still really appeals in theaters are music-driven me- movies, and that they appeal to me, you know, in a way that, you know, Marvel movies wouldn't. So thank God there is still a niche out there. But I guess the question becomes, well, two things I would say. One of them is, um, if you look at what Netflix is releasing in the next few months, you know, it's Dolomite and The Two Popes and Merrick's story and The Irishman. And look back at recent studio history. Any studio, that's like United Artists in the 60s and 70s. I mean, to have those four movies in the space of two months, it's sort of remarkable no matter who they are right so those are real movies that are being made by them um, that will you know obviously then it becomes about the theatrical experience but you're grateful that they exist at the same time like I look at a movie like this and I think part of the pleasure of you know uh, a twisty turny thriller with with uh, surprises and uh, plot twists and mystery is, is that kind of communal ooh and ah that happens when people finally get it, you know, and if you don't get that, you know, when you're watching it at home. So it's it's a complicated moment. I don't think we've, I don't think we really know where it's going to land yet. You know, I think it's in transition, but, but for right now, but yes, the moment is not great for uh, getting these kinds of movies um not so much made as seen and, and you know, uh, getting the audience to go to them and get in the habit of going to them.
0: There, and you, you said there about the, the audience experience, like for me, I, I love films like The Usual Suspects or The Spanish Prisoner, yes. which I think really this film really reminded me of. And there is, uh-huh. that, like you said, that audience moment where, not to give anything where there's certain reveals, Jordan, you do get that wave of oohs and ahs that you, you don't get watching it at home as well.
1: It's true, and I I've found in my three experiences now that as the people come out of the theater, they're talking about it, right? And that I think is it, that's what you want, right? Yeah. you Also, you, you
0: spoke there, sorry, about James Whale and, of course, uh, the story of Gods and Monsters, and um, Bride of Frankenstein with, with Javier Bardem. Yeah. Is there any status update on that? Is that still happening?
1: It is not happening. I think you know um, sadly. You know, it was. I think it was kind of left open-ended, but it's really, you know, the mummy happened and there's a whole sense of reviving those monsters. And that sort of made everybody have second thoughts, everybody at Universal. It's a heartbreaker because we were onto something really special. I think David Kep had written a really cool script and, and um, something I think might've brought the, the whale, sensibility of the original movie into the 21st century but at a big budget and i think now they're thinking more that as they do it slowly across the years that it's going to be more Bloomhouse level you know uh style size movies which is fine you know but yeah that was a bit of a we were sort of you know gearing up and going and then it 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 fell apart so that'll always remain a regret
0: uh, you mentioned there about um, the, the script obviously you started off as a, a screenwriter yourself and actually wrote yeah. one of my favourite films I, I, growing up I had Ghostbusters Batman and FX2 <laughs> <laughs> I remember Brian Brown giving an interview saying that there was a script for a third film and it was being made of course this is kind of pre-internet and it just disappeared into the ether was there actually ever FX3
1: no I don't think there was I think I, honestly I, and Brian God I remember this so well Brian he was an entrepreneurial, yes, and he he was producing films in Australia, but fX Two was happening, and he really thought FX was going to be his Indiana Jones or something, and then it became clear as the movie was about to be released that both the reviews and the box office weren 't supporting that. And I remember I've never I've always sort of held on to this memory of him just like saying you know what mate uh, you just just you take a different path then and mm-hmm. he 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 moved back to Australia he's made movies there but he sort of dropped out of it you know um, in a way in a very he he just accepted it as as either it either works or it doesn't Hopefully but you. I have a bluey the clown down in the basement at home so I could I could um, send you a picture of him with, oh, it, with the with the message if you want
0: please put that on on our Twitter so. Where I can see that. That'd be brilliant. Well, <laughs> Connor, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Absolutely okay. appreciate Best of luck. Oh, thank you, Andy. Thanks. Have a Thanks so much. Take care. Okay.
1: Bye.